The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Saints History, told and experienced the way God intended it, with excessive amounts of alcohol and cursing. The booze is probably bourbon because... Their alcohols are for rich women on diets. Now, here's your Drunk Saints History host, who is... Bombed out of his gourd. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Drunk Saints History. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. Uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, this episode, I'm like five beers in, I just did a shot between the tapings uh, of Tin Cup, so I am really, really drunk on the back end of this. This is the second taping with a patron who donated $25, Jim Grimsley, he donated $25, and if you donate $25 for four months, you get in the raffle, Jim did it, he won... And you get your own two episodes of Drunk Saints History. You pick the topics with my assistance, and we chat, and we bullshit, and me and Jim have been doing it. We, we've gone way over time. I, I appreciate Jim. I told him I would only need him for 30 minutes. We've been doing it for like 40. So, Jim, I appreciate it. And th- tell the people what you're drinking. Uh, I'm drinking Bud Light, and I'm, I've, I've, mixed it with, I've mixed it with brown liquor, and that's going to end badly for me in about 45 minutes. But what are you drinking tonight? Ralph, before we get to what I'm drinking, I'm a little upset the fact that, that the reason you picked me was because of my money and not because of my sparkling personality. So I'm a little pissed about that. Oh, well, okay? well, listen, you got to have the money to get into the raffle. So I didn't know about your, your, your beautiful personality until we chatted tonight. Before that, you were just a dollar sign, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you just but I'm gonna... like a dollar sign. That's what you're doing, Ralph. Okay. Hey, I give. I, I have. I have been. I've been generous. But this is this is this this drunk history thing. We we did this. We started this. This is the third year of it. We started it, ironically, because the computer that I had for the show. Uh, I don't have a sound effect of my wife's cat. You know, I, I have I have this sound effect. My wife. But my my wife's cat destroyed the laptop, and I was I I I got it repaired, but it was still clunk. It was still crap. And I told people on the show, I was like, if you people will donate, I think it was like I was like I need. Eight, seven, eight hundred dollars for a laptop. If you people just donate enough to get me the laptop, I'll do a drunk. I'll get drunk every month, and I will do a drunk Saints history. And we had a great response, and a woman, Stephanie, she actually donated the last couple hundred bucks to get us over the line. It was more than that, maybe. Uh, it's because so long ago, but she got us over the line, and people loved it. So I was like, this is great. I'll do it every year, and that way I'll just have like a reserve fund in case I, we have technical issues. But that's how it started, and now 
we've done all the big topics, but now we do it like the micro topics. Me and you did uh, Saint on a previous episode that people have heard Saints player that we thought were going to be awesome that they drafted that ended up being flops. But this episode is just going to be as good. This episode, we're talking Bobby Bear, And Bobby Bear, Jim, he has so many layers. I want you to tell the, the story that I had forgotten about until you mentioned it, that he everybody knew that he was in the NFL. USFL and he was a he was they they won a championship he won a championship with the Michigan Panthers uh in the USFL uh and he's very he's still very proud of that and well he should be a championship is a championship but he so he was not a minor player in the USFL he was a big name uh and you know the Saints Benson had just bought the team tell the people the story that you found and I totally forgot about Edwin Edwards making the pitch to Bobby Hebert to sign with the Saints <laughs> Well, a lot of people forget the fact that that back in 1984, there's a the Saints were Meekin was looking to sell the Saints, and the rumor was they were going to be sold to somebody who was going to move them to Jacksonville. They visited Meekin and Bum Phillips flew to Jacksonville and like took a tour of the stadium. I remember that. I was a very little kid. It was very dramatic. It was the lead on the news. So, so they were going to do that, and so Edwards, being Edwin Edwards. Got involved, and one and a Louisiana state senator called Bobby Abair, and Abair was visiting with Seattle, and he was expecting to sign with Seattle at the U.S. after the USFL had folded, and the senator called Abair and said, "Hey, Edwin Edwards is going to call you. Take his call." And sure enough, Edwards calls, says, "Look, Benson's going to buy the Saints," and then he bought him, and he says. We want you to play for New Orleans. And then sure enough, he told Benson to, to sign Bear, and that's what he did. And, and that's how Bear and that's how Bear ended up with the New Orleans Saints. You know, and because that's of good, Edwards and the politics. And that's a good point. You know, he brought in Bobby Bear. Um you know they brought Bobby Bear in uh before they even um uh, before even they they brought in Jim Finks and Jim Mora, so like Bobby Abair was a was 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 pre that decision, you know Bobby Abair Bobby Abair was a quarterback for the Saints in '85, you know, yeah, uh, which is which yeah, is pre Mora. That was he played. He was on the roster for '85 and '86, and he really started playing in '87. But he was he was there for '85 and '86. Yeah, I mean, in '86 he broke his foot, but '85, you know, he 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 was he was bombs last year, and Wade was interim coach for a little bit. But that's the thing, right? Uh, that's was part of the 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 story of a bear going forward. It was a lot of animosity with him and Finks because he wasn't Finks's guy. You know, he wasn't yeah. so Finks really had no loyalty to him, and and that was just the the way the NFL was back then. You know, I said it in a piece that I wrote for Channel Channel Four when I did an oral history of it when I talked to Bobby Bear and I talked to Mike Detillier. You know, Mike Detillier just explained it. Jim Finks, he believed that in the 80s and 90s, you built your team sort of backwards of how you do it now, right? In 2019, it's you got to find a franchise quarterback. You get the franchise quarterback on the low rookie salary, you have a ton of salary cap state, and you build your team around the quarterback. In the 70s and 80s, the feeling was you can build your team and you slide the quarterback in as the final piece, you know? Um, so it was well, just and interesting. That's, and thinks, that's what Finks did when he was 
with Minnesota. Yeah. Remember the whole Joe Calf deal? He had Joe Calf that took him to the Super Bowl. And let and him then, go to Canada. Uh, like he was like, You want you then, want to you want to make eighty five thousand dollars a year, Joe Cap? That's crazy. Go to Canada. And then he let Cap go and then he brought <laughs> Fran Tarkenton in and yeah. and stuff like that. So he was always very tough on paying quarterbacks a lot of money. There's no doubt about that. Well, I mean, that was just that was just I mean, the NFL, you know, in that in those days, man, they just they treated players like Tex Schramm literally said like there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel it's worth the trip that's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Players are like cattle. I can get more cattle. Like, they just they didn't treat players worth a damn, and they didn't have free agency. The players had no leverage. Um... You know, the thing about Bobby Hebert, I think, that's interesting with him is he uh, never threw more than 20 touchdowns with the Saints. And that dude, even in the even in the in the 80s and 90s, when interceptions and turnovers weren't as weren't viewed as a as as big of a problem as they are now you know because it was always like throwing was sort of this weird sort of mystical thing that teams had they only did it a lot when they had to so quarterbacks interceptions weren't viewed that that as as a giant bugaboo but even for that like dude a bear threw a lot of picks. Like he, he never threw more yeah, than twenty he, touchdowns, and he threw fifteen interceptions in back-to-back years with the Saints in '88 and '89. Like, yeah, he was kind of a one, almost a one-for-one. One. He was always better than. He had more touchdowns than interceptions, but he was still never had quite a that kind of breakout year. But you know, to set the context for context for Bobby A. Bear you have to realize the Saints were horrible for 20 years, right? Yeah. So so in, in, in 87, when he actually became the legitimate starter, you know, we had, before that, we had terrible coaches. We had Spears. We had J.D. Roberts, John North, yeah. Hank Stram. We had terrible drafts, which we talked about on another podcast. And a quarterback, think about the quarterbacks we had. Gary Wood, Gary Quaza. We had Kilmer, who... The city liked, but he wasn't a great quarterback. Ronnie Lee Smith. We had Manning, 
who I loved Archie Manning, but he never had a team around him. And then we had Bobby Douglas, Dave Wilson, Stabler. Yeah. Think of, think about all those guys. So finally Bobby Hebert shows up and in 87, you know, it was a replacement year and all those things, but the saints go 12 and three. That was kind of a magical year for the saints. We actually, we had a winning season. We actually won, won something. It was a spectacular year. And, and also, too, you know, it, it's so long ago now. It's just sort of, it's you know, once you get, I find in the in the internet age, once you get 10, 12 years out, like it just, it, it almost, it, it, it almost might as well be, you know, 32 years ago, it might as well be World War One. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like I love it, and I love you're Saints history, me, and I love. You're making me feel old here. Ralph. I'm old. I look. I'm old. I write my. I write my Channel Four columns now, Jim, and 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 I purposely try not to make many references about the Saints pre 2006 because it's 13 years ago, and yeah. you know. So, you know, people just like there's a whole generation. I'm 43 and my recollections of the Saints for for all the talk of oh the Saints have had this terrible history and this and that not really. Since Benson's bought the team, the Saints have either been a playoff team or <clears throat> mediocre. They don't have many disastrous years right the last year of moral was a disaster the last year of ditka was a disaster and the katrina year was a disaster but that's about it the rest of the time they're either mediocre or they're good like so we haven't really suffered that much but pre-87 man the same you would argue the same i I could tell you the saints were the worst organization in sports any any professional i have to tell you i had I had season tickets in 79 and, you know, we watched Archie Manning. And like I said, I loved Archie Manning and you had Galbraith and Muncie. And, you know, you thought, well, we finally turned a corner and we really hadn't. But then we went through the ain't years with the, with the bags on our head. And then I still remember, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about this, but, uh, you know, I, I got transferred to Chicago and my brother-in-law used to send me VHS tapes of the Saints games every week. Okay. Andrew did that when Andrew and, lived in, when yeah. Andrew lived in and France. I, I mean, this was, I used to wait for Wednesday evenings because I would get on Wednesday evenings, I'd get a VHS tape and I knew the score and I knew we'd gotten beaten by 25 points. <laughs> and you watched anyway, that's I, dedication. And I, wa- yeah. I watched it because I was looking for the bright spot. Right. Because somewhere there was a bright spot of something positive that was going to happen. Okay, And that's what the Saints fans pre-1987 and pre-Benson went through is we looked for anything that was a bright spot because we had very few of them. I remember as a kid in in 1987, I was 11 and you know, and 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 it was sort of it was sort of devolved away from Bobby Abbott, but we'll get back to that. But in '87, man, the Saints—they were coming off a seven and nine, and seven and nine for the Saints was their second best season ever, besides eight and eight. Right? There was real 
optimism about the Saints because it it, 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 you know, it felt like the Saints with Benson, you know, for all the things of, of, of the criticisms of Benson that I think weren't necessarily fair about him being cheap and he ran it like a business and all and that sort of when the Saints sort of lost in the mid after Mora left and Ditka and that sort of thing, the criticisms of him, I think they were kind of unfair. But at the beginning, when Benson bought the team and was like, I'm going to run this like a business, the media and all the fans were like, thank fucking God. We don't have to deal with Meekum <laughs> treating it like a toy and Benson's going to run it like a business and it'll be professional and maybe that'll help them. If And, and you know, he hired Jim Finks and Jim Mora and say what you want about him. They were competent. But the thing that's amazing about 1987 that I think gets lost to the history books because Jim Mora didn't win any playoff games and Abraham and that sort of thing. The Saints in 87 went 12-3 and and they had a quarterback who was a Cajun. They had their number one wide receiver was from LSU, Eric Martin. And their number two running back who had 800-something yards was Dalton Hilliard. Like, not only did the Saints win – but it was infused with local players all over the roster. Like, that made it really, really fun. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole Eric Martin deal and, you know, the local boy makes good with, with, uh, with Bobby Bear was just spectacular. It really, really was. And, you know, and the thing I liked about Bobby Bear, one, he actually he he did have a cannon for an arm. He had a great arm. He was spectacular from that perspective. But you know he was brash. He was cocky. You know he brought a different kind of image to the Saints that we really hadn't had. I mean, because we'd beaten been beaten up for twenty years, there was no cockiness about the Saints, and he actually had some. Now maybe there wasn't any reason to be cocky after the years we had had, but. He actually brought some of that to the Saints. Which no, I he had was Bobby Aber had Bobby Aber when he played. He had swagger and a toughness. He played a game, I forget what year it was, where he played a game in Tampa and he got knocked out of the game because of a concussion. And that was back when a player would get a concussion. You'd be like, oh, thank God, it's just a concussion. And he didn't blow out a knee or break his leg or anything because we didn't know anything about concussions. And he got a concussion and got like four teeth knocked out. And the Saints, they had to put in, I forget who it was at quarterback. Uh, and they got hurt. I think it, it might have been Dave Wilson or, or whoever the backup was. And Bobby Aver had to come back in and take more of a beating. And the Saints ended up <laughs> losing, you know. But, like, that's how tough he was. Like, you could say he wasn't that good, and he wasn't. But he was tough. And he – Bobby Aver carried himself like a fucking championship quarterback, even though he was kind of Jay Cutler-esque quality to him. But he yeah, carried I mean, himself he... like a swashbuckling son of a bitch. Yeah, he had, you know, he would have great games and he would have bad games and, you know, and that's what it was. But he, the other thing was he was also supported by the Dome Patrol. So that actually helped him. You know, we go back to the idea that he threw a lot of touchdowns, we threw a lot of interceptions. He, he had a great defense with the Dome Patrol with Swilling and Jackson and Mills, Vaughn Johnson. They, they helped him out a lot. 
but at the same time, he was he was what we needed. But he never really had, you know, he had Reuben Mays, he had Dalton Hilliard, he had a bunch of good running backs. But like I said, he had Eric Martin, who ran a four seven forty as his best wide receiver. You know, he yeah. just didn't have the real real targets to uh, throw the ball to because he had a great arm. Yeah, my my favorite Bobby Bear memory of all of them. You know, he doesn't have the good playoff games and all this, but my my favorite Bobby Bear memory is 1991. He hurt his shoulder, and the Saints were eight and one, and he missed a month, and the Saints lost them all. And it wasn't just because of 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 uh, of of Bobby Bear being injured. The defense sort of slumped in those. And those one, and they just lost a bunch of like um, heartbreaker games. Like they 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 lost to Atlanta twenty three to twenty. They lost to San Francisco twenty four thirty eight to twenty four, where they had a turnover and a touch a touchdown at the end to make the score closer. They went to Dallas, lost, and they they came home on Monday night, and they were playing the Raiders. And the Raiders now are a joke. And and I know there's a generation of you out there that are like the Raiders are a, are are a joke. They're John Gruden. They're tales from the crypt. Al Davis, who died a few years ago, like they've never the Raiders since they went to the Super Bowl in the early 2000s. They haven't been good, and they weren't good before that. But I'm here to tell you, man, in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, the team that kicked everyone's ass on Monday Night Football was the Raiders. Like, you played the Raiders on Monday night, you feared them. They played the Saints in 79. The Saints were up 35-14 to and lost at home to the Raiders. Like, the Raiders were the kings of Monday night. Like, they, they won like 70-something percent of their games. And I remember it was like, the Saints are in a tailspin, and they're playing the Raiders on Monday night. We are dead. And Bobby Bear came back... Threw for 320 yards and the Saints crushed them 27 to nothing. And I just remember it just being euphoric in that stadium. Ralph, why did you have to bring up the 79 <laughs> Raiders game? Because I was there. I sat there as the Raiders came back and scored like 28 unanswered points against the Saints. And Chuck Muncie fumbled. To, to turn the game over to the Raiders, I really appreciate that, Ralph. Yeah, and I have to say though, if you if 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 you want to just burn time, Google Saints 1979 Raiders and watch the uh, national anthem. Al Hurt played the national anthem, and it's just magnificent. His 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 playing of the trumpet is, but but the thing that really makes it great is as he's playing the national anthem, they they show the close up of the players. Ken Stabler looks like he literally woke up fifteen minutes before the game started <laughs> and got out of a box on Bourbon Street and came to the game. Like so, do that at Google, YouTube. Google it or find on YouTube Saints Raiders 1979. The national anthem is amazing. Uh, you can even Google. I did a Houdat history for Canal Street Chronicles back in the day. I watched that game because I have the I have the entire 79 season on DVD. So I watched that game and did play and did color commentary of it. It's fun. It's fantastic. So 
Um, but the Ra- like the Raiders, am I right though? The Raiders were like Monday Night Kings. Oh yeah, I mean the Raiders, they just kind of dominated that that whole era, and that's why as I was sitting there, and I still remember we'd gone to Mr. B's Bistro for for uh, uh, dinner before, and then we went to the game, and I'm sitting there, and we're ahead by 28 points or whatever it was, 21 points. And I'm thinking, this is the most unbelievable night of my life. And then 20 <laughs> minutes later, I say, this is the most unbelievable night of my life as we lose the game. I mean, yeah. it was friggin' unbelievable as we did that. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's the Saints, man. And the, the thing is, it's really, it's so hard to be, I, I, it, you know, people don't want to be. There's a Archie Manning is this myth wrapped up in a legend, Matt. You know, because you know you say, well, the Saints were were awful, and they and they they wasted his entire career, which is true. And by the way, Google Archie Manning, Paul Zimmerman for Sports Illustrated. He did a feature in like 1982 on Archie Manning. It's fantastic, and it goes through all the fuck ups of the Saints during the Archie Manning years, and it's just a perfectly written piece and it's worth like 40 minutes of your time if you want to if you're interested in saints history and that sort of thing but the fact of the matter is because the saints were so bad archie didn't have playoff games or big games to judge him on but man that second half against oakland Archie was pretty fucking terrible like he was like two of 12 and the saints offense just totally couldn't get anything going and you know that's just how it goes but as we talk about Bobby Bear, like you, it's it's the it's the complete role reversal right Jim in 91 like Bobby is like I am back I am the quarterback of the team all is well and it was man he got it done and they won that division and I have to say like he was the main catalyst if he'd have been out those last two weeks I'm not sure I'm not sure the Saints would have won that division in 91. No, the, you know, Bobby Abair, he he not only had a great arm, but he had the fire. And when you read articles about what the Saints player said about Abair with regards to, like, the holdout and stuff, the players were all in oh, Bobby totally. Abair's camp. And, and, and that's one of the interesting things about the whole holdout deal is, when you know as a fan and you know when i put myself back in in those years i was kind of in the jim thinks camp right you know because if if you you know you're thinking well it, what's good for the team blah 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 and all that kind of stuff and then in retrospect you look back and you read what the players said you know and you look at at the way the league has developed you know he was right he needed, he deserved more money. He wasn't being offered the right amount of money. And, you know, he, he should have, you know, holding out was the right thing for him to do, but it, oh, ultimately oh. It, in the near term, it cost him money. But then when the judge and the whole, and he joined the, uh, the uh, NFL class action suit, you know, he ended up making a lot more money because he became a participant in the suit. Yeah. Well, and, here's you know, the th- and that was the right thing to do because Finks was trying to replay the Joe Cap situation. Well, here's the thing too with with Bobby Abair is, 
you know, the whole thing in his holdout in 1990, the whole thing that complicated it was the Saints went in a tailspin in 89 at the end because they lost to the Rams on a Sunday night and it just put them in a tailspin and their offense was a mess. And they benched Bobby Bear to try to spark it up or whatever. And they put 4K in and 4K was magical for three weeks, right? Oh, three weeks. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. And that sort of changed the calculus in that 4K was even more local than Bobby because Forkade was from New Orleans and had played at Ole Miss. And he was, and you know, that, that off season, he was a grand marshal and Demian. And it was, you know, so Saints fans were like, whatever, Bobby, and, hold out. Know, we, don't need, Ralph, we don't Ralph, need you. We got a Forkade. Thing was, the most important thing was he was from my alma mater, Archbishop Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the the that changed everything, right? Saints fans were like, "Ah, we don't need Bobby. Hold out. We don't need you. We have 4K." And to me, one of the critical things in the Jim Mora era was if if 4K just would have been terrible those three weeks, I think the Saints would have begrudgingly signed a Bear and yeah. uh, well, I moved along. I, I but think the when, yeah. One of the biggest issues that Jim thinks, and I, I do like him because I think he put them, the Saints, on the right track. But one of the biggest issues became kind of the hard-headedness that he had trying to play the tough guy with Bobby Hebert. Here, and here, you know, the, and the fact the fact that he ended up the next year when Hebert was holding out making you know, trading a first, second, and third round draft choice to get Steve Walsh, that killed the Saints. If you could have taken those draft choices and gotten a wide receiver and a cornerback to go with Bobby Bear, you know, we were we were online to, to actually Here, do some good things. Here's one of my favorite what-if questions, and Mike, Mike Dettelier told me this when I did the oral history. And by the way, not to toot my own horn, but it's probably my most favorite thing I've ever done at WWL. Google it. You can find it. It's amazing. It's two parts. It's long, but it's great. But here's something that Mike Dettelier told me that is just, it's a, it's maybe, it's probably its own drunk history what if podcast that I'll have to do at some point with Andrew or maybe someone. The Raiders wanted Bobby Bear. They always did. Al Davis always wanted him. And, and they, Al Davis offered the Saints a number two draft pick, second round pick, and Marcus Allen, who, remember, at the time, Marcus Allen had been rotting on the Raiders' bench because Al Davis just got in a fit, a snit with him and just was like, don't play him. And Marcus Allen would go on to go to Kansas City and um, score about 60 more touchdowns and rush for about uh, 6,000 more yards. So, um, you know, the greatest thing about Marcus Allen was, I mean, uh, you know, if he had um, if he had gone to the Saints, um, uh, how good would he have been and would it have changed – the Saints um, uh, would it have changed their um, 
outlook, you know, uh, would they have would they have been able to uh, win a couple of playoff games um, with uh, with Marcus Allen, you know? Um, yeah, because he was still he was still good even after he was he turned thirty. He was good till he was thirty four or thirty five years old. And, uh, yeah, that was, you know, to not make a move either to either pay a bear what he deserved or to turn around and, and, uh, trade him and then get something for him that made no sense. And then, yeah. and then the, in addition to that, to turn around and give three draft choices, get Steve Walsh, yeah. who Jimmy Johnson, if you ever read about, him, he knew right away when he got after he drafted Steve Walsh and had Aikman that he didn't want Walsh, but he just yeah. kept building them up so he could trade them. And I mean, Grant, for it. you know, he was 33, 30. I mean, he, he ran for 700, 700, 800, 800 yards with Kansas City. Um, now, granted, he kind of split carries, but I mean, he was awesome at the goal line and scored 44 touchdowns. I mean, yeah. that would have been a great what if. Would you have rather have. Marcus Allen, a second round pick, and all those other draft picks, and not a quarterback, yeah. and what the Saints would have done at quarterback in that situation, or uh, what they did. I mean, I just think, I just think it, Jim, it would have been it would have been amazingly interesting. Uh, but that's the thing with Bobby Abair. He has his career has all these these great forks and what ifs with the Saints. You know, maybe what if he like you said at the beginning? What if he'd have gone to Seattle? What if you yep. know? What if what if the Saints would have actually? What if Jim Finks would have shipped him out? What if you know the Forkade had no? What if Forkade had a bomb? Like there's all these what ifs with the Jim Mora Saints, and they all sort of if you have like a if you had like a pie chart or not a pie chart but like a a flow chart, it all sort of leads back to what happened with Bobby Abair uh, as to why this sort of why things went they went the way they did under Jim Mora, and of course his ending, Jim, he just I mean. He's back and he's he's the drive time host and, he, and he's you know Mr. Saints football and he sort of replaced Buddy Dean all that, but man when he left to Atlanta he was fucking hated and I will say I uh, hated him when he did his little Falcon fly when, away nonsense. It well was when worst. I yeah when I saw that because I I have to admit I totally got when he went to the Falcons I didn't like it at all, but I totally got it right. But when when he was when he when he threw the touchdown pass and he did his little Falcon flyaway thing, I just I mean I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I really did, and it just it just drove me crazy. But you know the fact is, you know all you have to do is look at the Bobby Abear thing, and I think it was when they were playing the Steelers when he was announcing when they tried to kick him out of the booth. Because, because of his <laughs> shenanigans, when when we we stopped him four times inside the five yard line, you know, you look at that. And today, I, I actually I watched something that was the Saints uh, Super Bowl Bowl parade, and they showed Bobby Abair in a dress in the parade. Oh yeah, you know, he, in, did the buddy, honor, he did the in, Buddy in, D. Yeah, Buddy in D. In honor of Buddy D. And you know. That epitomizes New Orleans Saints football, right? 
and that's that's why you got to love Bobby Abair. Yeah, I mean the thing is too, Bobby Abair, man, if he was the quarterback of, it's hard to it's hard to judge it because it, you know it, with Sean Payton and all, but if he was just the quarterback of the Saints today with analytics and everything, my God, there would be blood in the streets on social media and Twitter, Jim. Because because the thing is, right, you would have the Saints with this great defense, right, winning, and you would have Bobby Abair, the, the the quarterback of the team, and they're winning, right? But his stats would be terrible. Like, he'd have all these interceptions, and, you know, his yards per attempt were pretty terrible. Like, he never, you know, he never averaged more than seven yards per per attempt, which is, uh, no, I take that back. He, he did average you know, more than you know what? A, a couple you of times. Like me, you would have people like me going, yeah, but I've got a four, uh, I've got a, re- my best receiver runs a four, seven, uh, yeah. 40. Okay. Get me a receiver that can catch the ball at downfield. I mean, that's yeah. that, you know, and we haven't even begun to mention Carl Smith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, and, it, and and Carl Smith was so tied to Jim Mora, and I love Jim Mora because, like I said, Jim Mora and Steve Sidwell and Finks and Benson changed the dynamics and the trajectory of the Saints. But I, I, you know, I don't know whether it was Carl Smith and I think it was more Jim Mora just being conservative. We had, I mean. With Reuben Mays and Dalton Hilliard and people like that, we could have done so much more from an offensive you know, the standpoint. Thing is, the thing is with the Saints, and and this is this is a history point that I've made on the podcast a bunch of times. Is the room is spinning now? I drank too much, <laughs> um, but yeah. I, the thing is, for everybody in this podcast, I can't get sloppy drunk at the beginning of the podcast because I have to run everything right. So because I have to, I have to be able to. I have to be able to run sound effects like this. It's not a lie if you believe it. Like, I have to be able to run the soundboard and make sure it records, so I can't get totally just plowed at the beginning. But now that me well, and Jim are so, rapping... You're so good at that. You're so good at that, Ralph. <laughs> so, like... So, so, like, but now we're near the end of the second episode, and we've gone way over time, so now it's just completely falling apart on me. But... The the thing about with Bobby Abair was that eighty seven team was probably the best offense he ever had because Ruben Mays, he was great in eighty six, he was good in eighty seven, but he was never the same after that he got hurt. Dalton Hilliard was really good in eighty nine, but they had Barry Word, Ruben Mays, and Dalton Hilliard as their running backs. They had a young yep. Eric Martin. Like that was probably the best offense that Jim Moore ever had. And it was, I think, their highest scoring team they ever had under Jim Moore, if you go by points per game. And we just didn't, you didn't realize it at the time until you look back and you're like, oh yeah, in 91, Fred McAfee was their leading rusher. And they won a division, well, they went 12 and 4, and they, they, Vaughn Dunbar was their leading rusher, and he had, you know, 500 yards. And you're like, well, so what? But I mean, think about that. The Saints were a defensive first team, and we're like, we're going to play defense, we're going to kick ass on special teams with Morton Anderson, and we're going to run the ball down your throat. Like, that's what they wanted to do. And in 91 and 92, they couldn't even execute the formula because their running backs were so terrible, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's well, they the, had. I mean, they had eighty-seven and eighty-eight. 
they had the magical formula to to try and do something, mm-hmm. and they just didn't execute. And yeah. I, I think it came down to just they were missing that big wide receiver to complement Eric Martin. Yeah, yeah, and take advantage of Bobby Abear's arm. I mean, face yeah, it. they ne- they never had a. The, the the deep guys they had were like Floyd Turner and Bobby Abair always told the story when I when I you know because I didn't work with him that much but after but he he him and Kenny Wilk late Kenny Wilkerson did it and Bobby Abair always told the story to me he's like you know fans would get on me for yelling at the Saints wide receivers you know they would get on me for yelling at the wide receivers but. All those wide receivers that I yelled at, Lonzel Hill, Brett Perryman, and the other one, he's like, all those receivers I yelled at on the sideline because they didn't know what they were doing, the next year they were all gone because they were terrible. Yeah. And I was like, eh, he's got kind of got a point, <laughs> you know? Um, but Yeah, I used Jim, to get so excited about Lonzel Hill. Oh, my God. And I was so disappointed every year. Brett Perryman went on to Detroit, and and they figured out how to use him in the run and shoot, and he was catching a hundred balls a year and being really good. I was just like the Saints were just uh, the the late eighty early ninety Saints man. It, I could I could I I should do like a side podcast of those years, and I should just go game by game. But um, say wait wait Ralph Ralph, we have to put this call on hold for a second because I've got the Saints NFC 2009 championship game against Minnesota on on video <laughs> and Brett Favre is limping off the field so I, I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out yeah so my son my son and I went to this game this was one of the highlights of my life so can we hold off on for this for the next 20 minutes no I'm just kidding <sighs> <laughs> I wonder how it's gonna go. Yeah. I t- a side note I hope on we that. Win this time. <laughs> a side note on that before we sign off is, and Jim, I have to say, and I say this to people, and people they won't believe me, but it's the God's honest, it's the God's honest truth. The Minnesota NFC Championship game was so stressful to me that, and. The Saints were so goddamn lucky to win that game. I've never gone back and watched that game from start to finish because that game, like, the Saints won and full credit to them, but Minnesota just vomited it up. And I, there's part of me that, like, feels like if I watch it start to finish again, like, the Saints might not win. Like, because that, well, that's, that's how. I have to, I've watched this game a number of times. And, I remember we got to this game. We'd gone to the French Quarter and, you know, drank and did all that stuff. We went to the game. We stood up for the entire game, okay? I mean, didn't go anywhere. Didn't go to the bathroom. Didn't do anything. Then we went back to the French Quarter after we won, and it was the most spectacular day imaginable (laughs) watching that game. And everybody was so happy. I remember walking out, walking, you know, as we, this podcast, it started with Bobby Hebert, it went to the 87, then late 90 Saints, got to the Raiders, now it's going to the 2009 NFC Championship game. But this is drunk history, people. You never know where we're going to go. So the thing about that game, <laughs> the thing about that game, Jim, that was crazy was I was stone cold sober in that game because I was so sick the night before that I was just hopped up on meds and 
euphoria carried me through. But once I kind of like got out, we got out of the stadium, we're walking to the car, like my body was just starting to shut down and was like, what have you done to me? And I was throwing up. People thought I was drunk and about to die. And, but I wasn't, I was just, I just had caught like a bug. And, but I was like, there was no way I was going to miss that game. It didn't matter that my, my, my temperature when I woke up in the morning was 102. Like it didn't matter. I was, I was like, my mom's like, maybe we should do, maybe you should go to the emergency room. I'm like, no. we're going to this game you know but listen we did Bobby Hebert I think Jim your 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 point about him having swagger I think it's it that is sort of softened my my opinion of him over time um you know but I still look at him as he never really his play on the field except for rare moments like the Monday night game, it never elevated the Saints. So my final thought on him, and I'll give it to you, where do you rank him for Saints quarterbacks? Well, I would rank him above Drew Brees. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know I'm not the only one drunk tonight. Yeah. No, I mean – you know, I, I have to tell you, obviously, Drew is number one. In my heart, Archie's going to be number two, whether the stats or anything else. When I think about the pain and suffering Archie went through, Archie deserves to be number two. And because Bobby took us to the next level, which nobody other, no other quarterback had done, I would put Bobby at number three. Yeah, I get it. I I get people. To me, Aaron Brooks is number two, and it's not even a debate. But my my thing is, I understand why people that grew up watching the Saints in the seventies. Wait, what? What the fuck did Aaron Brooks ever do, Ralph? I have to ask you that. Let's list. Let's list the Saints quarterbacks that have won a playoff game. Drew Brees, Aaron Brooks. That's the list. All right, buddy, that's the list. I'm Aaron Brooks Stan. But my thing is, I understand why people that grew up with the Saints in the 70s, they love Archie Manning and they put him number two. Because if you grew up watching the Saints in the 70s and you don't put Archie Manning number two, it means the entire 1970s watching the Saints was a waste of time. So you have exactly to believe right. that you have to believe and that's not that's not an insult. As a fan, you have to hope and believe in something. And Archie Manning was what you hoped and believed in. So if you say, nah, Archie wasn't that good. He's like the third or fourth best quarterback in Saints history. If you grew up in the 70s, that's just like saying you wasted the entire decade. And, and people can't do that. And if I did that, if I grew up in the 70s, I would feel the same way. So I get the nostalgic attachment to Archie. Um, but Bobby so Bear. So you're saying I'm right, right, Ralph? Probably. May I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you as we're drunk on this. But I, I, I did an Aaron Brooks podcast, and I will probably do it again. I, I am the most committed supporter of Aaron Brooks, probably on social media of any Saints media slash blogger slash gas bag that there is, and I, I wear that proudly. But Jim. Thank you so much, guy. I, and I, I say this sincerely. Of you know, the fan. Me and Andrew talk about this all the time now. 
We are podcast. I, I don't know if we're number one of the most downloaded, although I want to get there just so we can wear the crown and point and laugh at everyone else. It's not about even money or, da- or, or, or views. I just want to be number one so we can say we're the king and lord over people. But I will say our listeners are the best and most loyal, and I feel like our listeners are bonded to us in a way that other Saints podcasts are not. Maybe it's because we give too much information or like the Saints a little too much that makes it unhealthy. But our fans that listen to the show are fantastic. And and fans like you that donate a significant amount of money, it it means the world to us. And I hope that this experience that you've had with me tonight for, I told you I was going to take 30 minutes, we've done like two hours. I hope it's been... Uh, at least partially what you desired. <laughs> well, Ralph, I have to tell you, I'm very, very disappointed in this experience. <laughs> no, no. I, you thought it was going to be. You thought it was going to be serious sports talk. You thought it was going to be serious Saints history talk. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just really pissed me off. This has been a total waste of money. Where do I get a credit? I want a credit you for get my no, money, Ralph. You get no credit. That money's been spent, my guy. <laughs> no, I enjoy you guys. You and and Andrew and and Dave and Kevin. It's a great it's a great time. It really, you guys do a good job. It's just four guys getting together, uh, talking Saints, and that's what I enjoy. All right, that's Jim. Thanks. If you want to be on Drunk History, donate twenty-five dollars a month. Get in the raffle. Uh, this has been Drunk History. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. Uh, British lady, take us out. Thanks to all of our Saints Happy Hour listeners whose donations made Drunk Saints History possible. Until next time, remember, surviving Saints History is hard. That's why God made alcohol.